0: it is shocking what people will do for money. This week, a 22-year-old Slovenian woman and her 30-year-old partner were found guilty of an insurance fraud. A fraud which involved the woman deliberately sawing off her hand. Sorry for the gross story to start off with. She claimed that this injury was caused by an accident when she was cutting branches. But the court heard how this couple had taken out numerous insurance policies eh, over the year before her injury. That would have paid her about €380,000 and then also 3000 a month for the rest of her life. And prosecutors also claimed that her boyfriend had searched the internet about artificial hands in the days before, showing that this injury was intentional. And they also left her severed hand behind when they went to the hospital because they wanted the disability to be permanent. Actually authorities went back and found it and sewed it back on. So the result of this was a massive, not, was not a massive payout, but a great deal of pain for this woman and also a two year, a two year jail sentence and a three year jail sentence for her partner. The love of money can be a powerful motivator in our lives. But this motivation is not for good. It leads people to do crazy things. Hurtful things. Destructive things. This is what Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 9. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So if we want to honour Jesus with our lives, if we want to serve Him faithfully, if we want to declare His truth, effectively, then we need to be extremely careful in our attitude to money. And that is why Paul made some really hard choices in his ministry in Thessalonica. He was committed to ensuring that what motivated him in his ministry was love and not money. So we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians again. Uh, Chapter 2, and we're going to break in halfway through verse 6 down to verse 9. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 6. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. But we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our lives as well, because you'd become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the Gospel of God to you. In Paul's time, travelling philosophers and orators were common in the Roman Empire. They moved from place to place, entertaining the crowds, seeking to make a name for themselves and gain fame and fortune. But Paul and his mission team were nothing like that. In fact, they did the exact opposite. As an apostle, Paul had the right and the authority to expect that those he was ministering to would have supported him. Now that's a clear biblical principle. This is what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He says, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. And then later, Paul wrote to Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, the elders who direct the affairs of the church, well, are worthy of double honour. Especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while he's treading out the grain. And the worker deserves his wages. And so if somebody has been ministering to us, by providing for our spiritual needs, then it is right and it is proper that we should be willing to minister to them by providing for their physical needs. In fact, Jesus was provided for in this way. Matthew says that when Jesus was on the cross, many women were there watching from a distance. This is Matthew 27 and 55. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. So these women provided practical care for Jesus and his disciples As he ministered spiritually to them and to others. So guys, this is a clear biblical principle. That those who are ministering the gospel, those who are preaching the gospel, should receive their living from the gospel. And Paul was not too embarrassed or proud to receive this money from people. In fact, when he was in Thessalonica, he received money, gifts, from the church, from other churches. He wrote to the Christians in Philippi, the letter that we have in the Bible, in part as a thank you letter for money that he received while he was ministering in Thessalonica. He says in Philippians chapter 4, It was good of you to share in my troubles. When I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. So Paul was willing to receive this money. But in Thessalonica, Paul and Silas and Timothy didn't make use of this right to be financially supported by the people in Thessalonica. He was there, but he didn't want to take any of their money. They set aside this right and didn't receive anything from them. Instead, Paul worked to provide for his own needs. He said in verse 9 of our reading, We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Paul was a tent maker by trade. And so in Thessalonica, it seems that he he set up a pop-up business. He split his time between working to provide for him and and his team, the financial needs, and also sharing the gospel to provide for the others, for their spiritual needs. But why? Why did Paul and his team do that? In Thessalonica. Why did he not apply the biblical principle and ask for financial support? And what can we learn from this to help us to avoid the temptation of the love of money in our lives? Well, I think the first reason is that Paul was serving God and not money. Last week, if you remember, if you were here, we were thinking about Paul's motives for his ministry in Thessalonica. And he wrote that during this time that we never put on a mask to cover up our greed. Paul's ministry was not motivated by greed. It was not motivated by the love of money. He was not coming to get out of these people what he could. That was because Paul was focused on serving God. And he knew that as Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. In our lives, we cannot have two masters. Ultimately, one will take priority over the other. God won't accept a proportion of our heart. He calls us to serve Him with everything that we are and everything that we have. And so we cannot live for Jesus and live for money. We cannot at the same time say like Paul did for, for, to, for me to live as Christ and at the same time live for wealth and possessions. We need to choose either live to serve God or live to serve money. And for Paul, the winner of that choice was obvious. He said later in this letter to the Philippians, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul eagerly chose to serve Jesus whatever it cost Because he knew that nothing could compare to the treasure of knowing him. And that protected Paul from the love of money. Because he knew the great treasure that he had in Christ. And he knew that no matter what happened, he could depend on... This is what he wrote again in Philippians chapter 4. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul was not tempted to serve money and depend on it for his satisfaction or his security or his significance because he had the joy of knowing Christ. And he knew that in Christ he had everything that he needed. And so this is the first way that we can avoid the temptation to love money. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, recognize the greatest treasure that we have in Him, and focus on living with Him and for Him. But secondly, Paul also refused this money. Because he was safeguarding the gospel. The gospel was Paul's passion. He said here, verse 8, We were delighted to share with you the gospel of God. We were delighted. Now, Paul knew that there were lots of people around who thought that that Christian ministry was a means to getting rich. He told Timothy about this, about men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. He knew that these false teachers, who thought that they could get rich through their ministry, these false teachers didn't only lead people astray from the true gospel they also brought the gospel of Christ into disrepute. Those who saw through their hypocrisy would be turned away, not just from them, but from Christ. It happens today, doesn't it? When the celebrity preachers come with their million-dollar mansions and their private jets And people look at them and they say that Christianity is just one big money-making scam. But Paul was absolutely determined to make sure that nobody would think that of him. And so he often refused to take money from those he was ministering to so that nobody could ever accuse him of preaching for money. He said in Second Corinthians chapter 9, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Paul cared more about the spread of the gospel than he did about his own comfort and ease. So he would rather lose out financially than be the reason why someone anyone would turn away from Jesus. He would rather go hungry than hinder the gospel of Christ. And folks, this should be our focus too. Because our primary mission as Christians is to share the gospel of Jesus whatever it costs. And if we have that as our focus, then we won't have time to think about being tempted and to focus on money. Now, this should impact the way that we do ministry here as a church. When Jesus sent out the disciples, he told them, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, Freely give. Those of us who have trusted in Jesus have received God's free gift of salvation. We never earned it. We never worked for it. We certainly never deserved it. That's because Jesus paid for it in full when he died on the cross for us. And so if we've freely received this gift, We must also freely give it to others. We mustn't charge people to hear the gospel. We don't expect them to give us anything in return. As a church, we are the ones who are to cover the cost in terms of money or time or effort. Because we would rather put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. But I think this principle doesn't just help us as a church to work out how we should do ministry. It also should help us to understand the the lifestyle choices that we should make, the financial decisions that we should make in our lives if we truly recognize the importance and the value of people hearing the gospel, then this will free us up from the love of money so that we can be more willing to support the work of sharing the gospel. This passion will release us from holding on to our money or spending it just on ourselves and help us to be able to give it for the support of our local evangelism but also to the mission of reaching the nations with the gospel. This should be our passion and our desire that we will sometimes choose a simpler lifestyle Uh, a a, a more frugal lifestyle, a more careful spending decision, because we want to be involved in what God is doing in sharing the message of Jesus in this world. But of course, none of this means that as Christians, we should somehow just shun money, as if money itself is something evil and wrong and we should have nothing to do with it. On the contrary, thirdly, Paul wanted to not receive the money from these, these Thessalonians, but instead of work hard to, to provide for himself, to set a good example of someone who worked hard for money. In his second letter to this church in 2 Thessalonians, he again spoke about how he worked night and day so he wasn't going to be a burden on those, these people. And then he told them why he did this. So 2, Corinthians, 2 Thessalonians, sorry, verse, chapter 3, verse 9. We did this, not because we didn't have a right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. In Thessalonica, Paul worked hard using all the strength and the skill that God gave him so that he would provide for himself and for his team. And in doing this, he was teaching an example to the Thessalonians that this is a crucial part of following Christ. If we are able, and that's really important to notice, Paul here was not challenging people who can't find work because of the economic situation or who are not able to work because of health issues or whatever. He's saying, if we are able to work, then we should use the strength and the skills that we have, that we've been given, to earn a living. That working in a job to earn money, to provide for ourselves and for others, is honouring to God even although we don't serve money, but we serve God, even although the gospel takes priority over getting rich, it is still honouring to God when we work, when we do what we can to earn a living, to provide for ourselves and for others. Now maybe Paul was emphasizing this because some people in the church in Thessalonica weren't doing this. Maybe it was because they believed that Jesus was coming back soon. So why work? Why just not just sit back and wait for Jesus to come? Because he's coming back soon, guys. And so Paul wrote to them in Second Thessalonians chapter three again. We hear that some of you some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus to settle down and earn the bread to eat. So work, the job that we have, the way that we earn our, our living. That's not a curse to avoid at all costs. That's not just something that on a Monday morning or whatever it is that we go to work, we have to just kind of drag ourselves there and say, oh, this is terrible, this is awful, I wish I could do something else more worthwhile. That's not how God wants us to look on our jobs if we have them, if we're able for them. Rather, God wants us to look on those things as an opportunity given by God to use the gifts and ability that He has given us in a way that reflects His image that He has put in us to provide not only for our own needs but also for the needs of others. Our everyday work going to work, going and earning a living. When we can do this, when we're able to do this, when we have the opportunity to do this, we can do this to the honour of God. It can be part of our worship for Him. This brings us to the last reason why Paul worked so hard on Thessalonica. It's because he was serving In genuine love. He said here, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. That's verse 8. It was love that motivated Paul to share the gospel with these people. He knew that without faith in Christ, they were lost. They were without hope and without God in this world. So it didn't matter who they were or what they had or hadn't done in their lives, if they had not heard the Gospel, the good news about Jesus, if they had not put their faith in Jesus, then he knew that they were lost and heading for lost eternity. And that broke Paul's heart because he loved them. Not because he was such a loving person, but because God's love, Christ's love, had melted his heart and drove him in his ministry. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5.14, for Christ's love compels us. But this genuine love for the Thessalonians did not just motivate him to go and share a message. It also motivated him to go and share his heart with them. His soul, his hard work, his everything. He said to them here in verse 8 that he loved them so much that he was delighted to share with them his very life. And this is what genuine love motivates us to do. Because this is what the love of Christ does. Jesus didn't love, en- love us enough just to come and to share a message with us, just to come and be a teacher. Or of God's truth to us. Or just to come and to, to give us some, some nice gifts. Jesus loved us enough to give us His everything. And so if we are motivated by Christ's love, then we will follow in His footsteps. This is what John writes in 1 John 3, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. We ought to lay down our lives for each other. Now this doesn't mean that we need to go looking for some spectacular, great act of of service that we can do for people. We're not talking about just looking for one big massive sacrifice to give in our lives. What John meant here in this passage is that we should lay down our lives every day in mundane Small, common acts of service. He went on to say, If anyone has material needs and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us love not with words or tongue but with actions and in truth. Genuine love in our lives is often expressed in small ways. It can be expressed just by giving money to somebody who's in need. Giving food or sharing food with those who are hungry. Opening up our homes or our schedules to those who are lonely. It's in that everyday commonplace that we find whether we are actually loving people or not, whether we're willing to give to them or not, whether we're willing to lay down our lives or not. Of course, this is a costly sacrifice. Paul said here in verse seven that this is like what a mum does. For her kids. We were gentle among you, Paul said. Like a mother caring for her little children. Now this is the picture of a mother with a a tiny little baby. That child is helpless. Unable to provide for themselves or for others. But that mum cares for that child. Feeds them. Protects them. Prioritizes their needs over her own. And she does all of that with such gentleness. Never demanding anything back in return. Why? Well, because she loves that child. And that's what Paul did. He didn't go and minister in Thessalonica for what they could give to him. He didn't say, well, I've done this, so you need to give me this. He knew that they were poor. Spiritually, yeah, but also materially. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he talked about their severe trial and their extreme poverty. And so Paul didn't want to be a burden on them. Because he cared about them too much. And so he worked hard, night and day, to provide for himself and his team. He didn't want to be a drain on their such limited resources that he was willing to give of himself in this way. He was there to care for them. He was prioritizing their needs over his own. He sacrificed himself for their benefit. This was his labor prompted by love. And folks, we are called to that same life of love. We're called to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters and for those outside. Why? Because this is the way of Christ. This is what following Christ looks like. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 says that for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus loved us enough that he left the, the glory, the wealth, the riches of heaven and came to this earth in desperate poverty, especially the poverty of the cross where it became sin for us. So that we, through His poverty, might experience the wealth of heaven. And He calls you and I to follow in His footsteps here on earth. To follow in the footsteps of those who love people enough to lay down our lives for them. So this is how we protect ourselves from the danger of the love of money. We serve God because knowing Jesus is the greatest treasure that we could ever have. We safeguard the gospel because we're passionate about this, because the message of Jesus is the only hope for this world. And we set a good example because honouring Jesus involves using the gifts and abilities that that He gave us to provide for ourselves and for others. And we share genuine love because our lives have been transformed by the Son of God who loved us and who gave Himself for us